gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer again. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's a liar. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch. When will I know I'm ready? You won't. It's a leap of faith. That's all it is, Miles. Cinematic Leap. Hi, and welcome to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply six degrees of Kevin Bacon-style process to select our next movie. Each week, we'll watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, crew member within this pod's movie to choose our next movie. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. Hey, hey, hey. I got nothing for that one. <laughs> and Glenn Greening. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I you need to do all these, Glenn. You're way better. Yeah, I know. Glenn, he's come from nowhere. Gentlemen, how are we? Yeah, good. It's getting warm. Yeah. It's been a warm day. It's getting warm in my office. Yes, I can imagine if you're going to shut the door. I'm in a, ra- I'm in a reasonably big room, so it's not too bad. So, <laughs> But uh, I know, Michael, your little room's probably a bit smaller than mine, so it'll heat up quick. Oh, yeah. All right, so this week we're actually venturing into our first animated movie, which is which was exciting. Mm. Uh, we are doing Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, a 2018 animated superhero film directed by Bob Perichetti, Peter Ramsey and Rodney Rothman. Stars, and I do apologise if I get these wrong, Shameik Moore, Jake Johnson and Hayley Steinfeld, co-stars Maya Sharla Ali, Brian Tyree Henry, Lily Tomlin, Luna Lauren Velez, John Mullaney, Kamiko Glenn, Nick Cage, and Lee Schreiber, who was our leaper. Mm. This had a this movie had a budget of ninety million, made three hundred eighty four point three million, so raging success. Uh, really, really well reviewed. Um, movie reviewers did love this movie. Um, but across the, the ones that we look at, Rotten Tomatoes had an average score of 8.8 out of 10, IMDb 8.4 out of 10, and Metacritic 87 out of 100. So, yes. Uh, Michael, you chose the – no, I chose the Leaper, mm-hmm. Leave Schreiber. And I will admit I didn't think we'd get to this movie when I chose Leave Schreiber. I, oh, think, the- I thought we would. <laughs> That's a surprise, you, you, isn't it? You probably could have warned me, Glenn. Um, no, I, I, he's done. He's a funny actor, Lee Schreiber. He, I, he's been in a lot of movies that I've enjoyed. He's never really the star, but he's always, you know, pretty good in a support cast. So he's had some, you know, bigger roles, but he's, he seems to me to be probably in the as a as a support or a number two or three. In the movie, and I just enjoyed a lot of his movies. So. Well, he's um he's lead in the Ray Donovan series, isn't he? Yeah, that's TV. No, and I must a, admit, I there's a movie. Like there's a movie. Oh, is there a, yeah, but that's based off the TV series, yeah. isn't it? Yep. Yeah, which I haven't seen, but from all accounts, it's actually quite good. So it's what I might have to circle around and have a watch of it. Um, Michael, I chose obviously Leave Schreiber, and from that, you chose this movie. Yeah. Why? I uh, I saw it. A few years, well, probably when it came out, um, and I was just so impressed uh, with many of the aspects of the film. 
uh, you know it's you know a well constructed story um it pays really good homage to its to its art form um and you know its source material like from comics to the big screen um and it was just a lot of fun and i guess like i also you know watched it with ed and uh he you know was something we sort of enjoyed um and he's not really yep. a big superhero sort of kid like you know he likes um uh he's into you know princesses and you know things was a bit fantasy and yeah it was, it was a cool movie we you know we could enjoy together so um yeah so uh, like uh, yeah like i said it was a, and a lot of fun too so i thought yeah this this is the one and maybe a gateway movie for you and superhero scotty well, maybe, <laughs> Michael. You never know. We'll see how we we'll see how we go by the end of the pod. But um, yeah, Glenn, had you seen this? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, twenty nineteen, so a couple of years ago, a few years ago. Yeah, I thought it was more recent that I'd seen it, but yeah, a yeah. while ago. Your th- so you, I, I predicted Michael. Michael yeah, yeah, I did because yeah. it was um, when you click on that actor. And you see that movie, I just thought straight away, well, Michael's been wanting to do Marvel for a while and this was a very uh, well-regarded movie when it came out and if you're a, especially if you're a Marvel fan, how could you pass up the opportunity to watch this again? Um, yep. Yeah, so it didn't, didn't surprise me at all that Michael picked this. I was quite surprised that you picked this actor with that movie sitting right there. But well, And it was the first <laughs> one on Letterboxd, wasn't it? It was like, you know, yeah, it, was, it was like, you yeah. know, Liz Schreiber. And, but the first one was Spider-Man mm-hmm. into Spider-Verse and it was hard to go past. I did look. Yeah, straight. I must. I must admit, I didn't. Obviously, I've just bypassed it. I've seen it for probably a Marvel, so I've just bypassed it and hoped you'd pick something um, different. But um, your, your thoughts, though, Glenn, when he chose it, were you, were you happy knowing uh, that you were probably going to get this? No. Like, not, was this a happy rewatch for you, or were you a bit? It was. Well, I didn't. I wasn't really looking forward to watching it again. But once it started, I was just drawn back into it, and I quite enjoyed it again. Yeah. Yep. So I obviously I hadn't seen it. I'm not really into the Marvel universe. I look, I say that I don't mind a superhero movie, and I, I don't. I, I always forget who which one's DC and which one's Marvel. But like, I like the Christopher Nolan Batman series. That's DC. Those. That's why I thought I'd better specify that I don't know which one's which. Um, I remember watching the the original Spider Man with Toby. Was it Toby Maguire? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Kirsten Dunst yeah. um, many, many, many years ago. And I, it wasn't a bad movie. And I've watched a few others here and there. I love Deadpool. That's a, a good, fun series. I, uh, whether it's just because I enjoy Ryan Reynolds' movies, it's got that really nice mix of humour and action. Interesting um, Deadpool is Marvel. So you're already there. You're already, like, you're already in. <laughs> so maybe I've already dipped my toe in, Michael. Mm. So I must say I wasn't overly looking forward to uh, to jumping into this. Um, but I, I went in with an open... An open mind and an open heart, Michael. You'll be happy to know, Good. and we'll, uh, we'll we'll discuss the movie as we go. Great. Um, so, really, without further ado, Michael, throw to the trailer. Miles, yeah, gotta go. If you want me to drive you, we gotta go now. Oh, Dad. I'll walk. Personal chauffeur going once. It's okay. <laughs> Seriously, Dad, walking would have been fine. Breaking news: Spider-Man saves the day again. Spider-Man. This guy swings in once a day, zip zaps off Nancy. Accountability. Speed up. Speed up. You know, I know these kids. Yo, Miles, man, you get arrested. Guys, don't cops run red lights? Well, yes, some do, but uh, not your dad. In your universe, there's only one Spider-Man, but there is another universe. It looks and sounds like yours, but it's not. My name's Miles Morales. 
Hey, kid. You're like me. How? I knew my day would come around this time. I know it's complicated. Just had to get my soul and free my mind. You want to know what happened to you? I can teach you to be Spider-Man. Mm, I love this burger. So delicious. Mm, one of the best burgers I've ever had. You have money, right? I'm not very liquid right now. I think you're gonna be a bad teacher. How am I supposed to save the whole world? You can't think about saving the world. You have to think about saving one person. One thing I know for sure, don't do it like me. Do it like you. I see this spark in you. It's amazing. Hands up! Whatever you choose to do with it, you'll be great. I love you, Miles. Yeah, I know, Dad. You, you gotta, gotta say, say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I, I wanna, wanna hear it. it. You wanna hear me I say it? I love you, Dad. You're dropping me I off out of school? I love you, Dad. Look at this place. Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. That's, That's a copy. Time to swing, just like I taught you. When did you teach me that? I didn't. It's a little joke for team building. Hey, guys. Okay, who are you? I'm Gwen Stacy. Come on. How many more spider people are there? Save us at Comic-Con. What's coming? Let's go! Alright, so obviously, Michael, you will run through the synopsis shortly as you did choose this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone, there will be spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie and you would like to before you hear us talk about it, pause the pod, watch the movie. It's under two hours. It's quite a good watch. Uh, and come back and listen to our scintillating review. Sounds good. Michael, over to you. Okay. We joined a New York City teenager, Miles Morales who struggles to live up to the expectations of his father, police officer Jefferson Davis. Uh, he sees Spider-Man who, who Spider as a menace. Uh, Miles, of course, sees him as a hero, like all of New York does. Miles struggles to adjust to prep school and visits his uncle, Aaron Davis, who takes him to an abandoned subway station to paint graffiti. Um... And you know, and that's a kind of that's a nice scene, like you know, it's a you know way to you know sort of relax. In this moment, as he's and like you know, it really plays with us here. Uh, Miles is bitten by a radioactive spider and gains spider-like abilities similar to Spider-Man. Returning to the station, Miles discovers a collider built by Wilson Fisk, who hopes to access parallel universes to bring back his late wife and son, whose deaths he blames on Spider-Man. Uh, Miles watches as Spider-Man attempts to disable the Collider while fighting Wilson's henchman, Green Goblin, and the Prowler. Spider-Man saves Miles, but Green Goblin shoves Spider-Man into the Collider, causing an explosion that kills Goblin and severely wounds Spider-Man. Spider-Man gives Miles a USB flash drive designed to disable the Collider, warning that the machine could destroy the city if reactivated. After watching in horror as Wilson kills Spider-Man, Miles flees with the Prowler, um, with a prowler in pursuit, uh, eventually getting away from him. Any any notes here? I'm curious what Scott thought when Spider-Man got killed because you don't see that every day. No, <laughs> no. And I I was like, oh, okay. And I did. I will admit, I'm I'm sort of going. So hang on. So is this a new Spider-Man? And that's and it's one of my questions later on, which I can probably ask now because I yeah, haven't got any well. questions. So we'll we'll do it now. It. <laughs> So are all the spider 
people slash pig yep. in this movie, are they all part of comics? Yeah, they are. Actually. Like, So there is a Sp- uh, Spider-Man noir and there is yep. these different ones? Yep, they're all based okay. on you know, real comic book characters. Um, yeah, because I haven't watched it. As I said, I haven't watched any of the other Spider-Man movies since the original. Yeah. So I don't know if some of these characters have been brought in through there or what. But no, when, when he's gone, I'm like, oh, shit, okay. Um, and then it's like, oh, okay, so this is this is how um, – this is Miles' journey now. So this is about him yeah. becoming Spider-Man. Yeah. Exactly. And the actual um, – the character's been around for a while. Um Basically, it was created in 2011. It's like, you not, you know, not super old, but, you know, still new. And yep. I guess that's part of that sort of, you know, making comics more broadly um, accessible to more audiences. So yep. um, it was nice to, you know, I guess that's the thing. Like, if you've got, you can't have two Spider-Men in a, in a universe. Um, so we've got to get rid of one so another can rise. I think that's the, the premise of that a- aspect of the story. Yeah. I will say, though, from the from the start, like the anim, the anim and we'll just... This is part of my um, notable aspects. The animation straight out is is excellent. Oh, it's amazing! Like the colors and everything else yeah. is just yeah. It's it's a really the animation's excellent. I, the, which we'll one of the highlights of this film, for. yeah. And we'll go. I'm sure I'll you know talk at northern. You'll go all nerdy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just yeah. it's just um, like it is so different and striking and you know it really is a homage to its source material which you know you don't really see with a lot of animations usually they're kind of you know just they're clean but this is really it's saying i'm a comic book movie and it says mm. that it's doing that straight out of the um the bat and i think that's really a strength for the film yeah um so uh um as the city mourns uh, spider-man's death miles tries to honor his legacy and become the new spider-man um, while trying out his newfound abilities, um, he inadvertently damages the drive. This drive that's going to turn down, turn off Wilson Fisk's machine. Um, there's also other comedy where he's kind of, you know, um, put does the hay move on Gwen Stacy or Gwanda, as she calls herself originally. Um, Gwanda. Gwanda. Um, and gets stuck to her. So very funny. Um uh, warning the machine could destroy this. Uh, oh, yeah, that's the bit. Um, at Spider-Man's grave, Miles meets Peter B. Parker, an older and worn-down version of Spider-Man from another dimension. Um, upon meeting him, Miles discovers his ability to emit bioelectric fields and bursts uh, called Venom Blasts. Uh, this knocks out Peter B. Parker, and there's a whole hilarious train scene um, where he, he drags the unconscious body of Spider-Man through the city. Um, Peter reluctantly agrees to train Miles after they eventually recover uh, in exchange for his help stealing data to create a new drive. They infiltrate Wilson's research facility and Miles discovers he has the power to turn invisible. They're confronted by mad scientist Olivia Octavius, or Liv to her friends, who discovers that Peter uh, Peter will die from cellular decay if he remains in their dimension. Chased through the laboratory and surrounding forest by Octavius, Miles and Peter are saved by Gwen Stacy, Spider-Woman from another dimension. Um, they then visit uh, Pete's uh, Peter, you know, main Peter, Aunt uh, May Parker, who is sheltering more spider people from other dimensions. Uh, there's Spider-Man Noir, Penny Parker, and um, and her robot, and Spider-Ham, who is a spider pig. <laughs> so Peter Porker, isn't it? Oh, yeah, he yeah, plays Peter Porker, but yeah, Spider-Ham. Um, yeah. That's a, I love that one. Um, who are also deteriorating. 
Miles offers to disable the collider so the others can return home, but after questioning him and testing him, they tell him he lacks the experience. Distraught, Miles retreats to Aaron's home, where he discovers Aaron is the Prowler. Bum, 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 bum. Miles returns to so, May's house. Oh, go on, Scott. No, I was just going to say it's a superb twist. Yeah. Um, I did not see that coming mm. at all, and I I did enjoy it. Going back, like the whole that whole training scene, like we we've gone over it, and we've gone over it pretty quick, but um, I reckon that's probably close to the funniest part of the movie mm. too. Like there were some really good comedic moments, like when they when they're trying to when they enter the the medical facility and they're trying to do the drive and mm. yeah, he goes invisible and he's trying to drag it out and it's actually quite funny. Yeah. But I love the fact too that he has to buy a Spider-Man costume. <laughs> yeah. And you can mm-hmm. see it like it's not quite done up properly at the back mm. and he's got you can see his eyes rather than, you know, the yep. the white the over part, the, yeah. on the standard uh, Spider-Man. Mm. So I did enjoy yeah, it did make me laugh. There was some really nice comedic uh, moments through this. There's a lot of funny bits. Like there's that whole scene. I thought the funniest um I was just going to say that I thought the funniest scene, well, one of the funniest was when he did the hay with her, with the girl and he did it way after. He'd already been talking to her for a bit and it's like it's more of an intro thing and he just thought halfway through the conversation he just puts the hand on the shoulder and says, hey. <laughs> that, yeah. was, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and there was the whole, you know, you know, um, roommate walking around the room, like, you know, that bit funny. Yeah. And they're up in the, they're up in the roof locker, spider would be yep. like, moving along. Mm. So I did, yeah. Um. Yeah. Very funny. So, but yes. So we, you know, we've gone back to Miles returns to May's house where Penny has completed the new drive. Um. However, he's followed by Wilson, uh, Wilson Fisk, Prowler, and Octavius Scorpion and Tombstone. I mean, I didn't actually know that these characters either, but you know, they're they're B-rank bear bad guys. In the yep. ensuing brawl, Miles reveals his identity to Aaron just as Aaron corners him. Uh, unwilling to kill his own nephew, Aaron spares Miles, but is fatally shot by Fisk. Miles flees with Aaron, who tells him to keep going before dying. Jefferson arrives on the scene and Miles escapes, leading Jefferson to mistake Spider-Man as Aaron's murderer. The heroes regroup with the distraught Miles at his dorm room. Peter restrains Miles to ensure his safety and leaves with the others, um, choosing to sacrifice himself instead of letting Miles try and fail. Um, And he will stay behind and, and deactivate the collider. Uh, Jessen arrives outside Miles' door and assuming Miles does not want to speak to him, apologises for his snakes and inspires Miles. Um, poor Miles is trapped in his chair. Uh, Miles then manages to control his powers, escapes his restraints, and creates his own Spider-Man suit with Aunt May's help. He joins the heroes, defeating Wilson's enforcers and using the new drive to send them home. In an epic sort of, you know, that one line really kind of does not do justice to the big cry fights. No, it's, it's about a, it's like a 20 minute sequence, 15, 20 minute sequence. Yeah, it's a big part of it. That one line. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, like, you know, that was just well, well done. Um, uh, Wilson fights uh, Miles as they, as you know, as the other spider people go home, um, attracting the attention of Jefferson, who realized that Spider-Man is the menace he saw him as. Jefferson encourages Miles, who subdues Wilson with his Venom Blast and throws it um, home at the, at the kill switch, destroying the collider, also throwing in a, a classic punchy Spider-Man line. Wilson and his henchmen are arrested for their crimes, and Jefferson recognizes the new Spider-Man as a hero while receiving evidence of Wilson's, uh, Wilson's murders of Peter and Aaron. Miles embraces the responsibility of his new life with the, uh, while the heroes return to their lives in their own dimensions. Uh, later, Gwen finds a way to contact Miles from her own dimension, 
uh, in an, and later on we get a cutscene and probably alluding to the new movie that's coming out soon in another dimension Miguel O'Hara travels to the universe of the 1967 Spider-Man animated series and argues with its Spider-Man um, which is a classic sort of meme and comic but also yeah he's hinting at the next Spider-Man that's it that's the story yeah the first time I watched it I I didn't even see that after credit scene. Hmm. I will admit I had no idea there was an after credit scene. I got to the <laughs> credits and I quickly I said, Oh yeah. And that's it. We're done. In movie. Yeah. I didn't realise. I think like <laughs> that I mean that after credits thing is really is a kind of like it's a it's, it's for got, the big fans, I guess. Yeah. Well, um, realistically, yeah. unless I'm gonna watch the sequel, it's probably not really that big an issue for me. Well, it's a good movie. You know, I'm gonna I'm looking forward to the sequel. When does that come out? Uh oh, I'm not sure. It's soon. Um, is it this year? Yeah, I think it might be. Let's have a look. Big year for movies. Very excited about this year. I've already Every seen movies. A big year. Already, I've already seen Cocaine Bear, and that that was a highlight. <laughs> but I've got Creed three. I've got John Wick four. Indiana Jones five. Mm, Scream yep. six. Four, five, six, right there. Yeah, um, June June second in the United States. So who knows about Australia? We'd be pretty close after that. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe so who knows, Michael? Maybe we could do a we could do a a podcast field trip to go into the sequel. I'd love that. We'd I know have you to get would. there, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit hard when we're all over the shop, but um. Yeah. All right. All right. That's it. We're done. All right. So we'll go through the categories: cast and characters. Glenn. Uh. Yeah. Hard to. I mean, obviously, Nicolas Cage was a highlight. That that character was just his. All his lines are just so. I don't know. They're good. I mean, his acting though. I mean, he's just doing his own voice. Um, he's not really. He probably come in one day, recorded his lines, mm. and went home again. Like it was not. It was not an outstanding performance, really. But Ooh. it was fun. Well, it was that. fun. Yeah, no, it was absolutely it was fun. But he's actually he wasn't Nick Cage. There was he. It is noted that his um, performance is you know based on Humphrey Bogart. Hmm. Yeah, but he's just just Nick Cage being hung up for you, Nick Cage playing I, I, up playing Nick Cage. I, I thought um, our Leaper, um, his voice was completely different to Scream. Like you wouldn't know it was him. King, yeah, because um, he played Kingpin, and I'll admit I would yeah. not have picked that that was Lieb Schreiber at all. I think yeah, I did. Completely different. I mean. Like when I actually kind of, I did like when I first watched, no way, like you know, and subsequent watches, but like you know, I guess what I was listening for at this time, I gone, and I like, oh yeah, there's there he is there, that's the voice. But then I went back to watching it, like I didn't really mm. kind of because it was it was good, like you know, it was it's fun. It wasn't the way really the strong, it was kingpin, yeah. yeah, yeah. The way the character was drawn, really kind of, and like his voice really kind of meshed well, like you know, he's the it was physically intimidating, and and Liv's voice was the same. Like he does know, have that deep voice, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, it's hard to talk about the cast so much as the, probably easier to talk about the characters being an animated film because mm. you don't really see the performances as much as you hear the performance. Um, mm. Like it's all in the animation and it's just the the voice. And for me, the highlights were um, the uncle. I thought he was really mm. he was really good, um, especially when they're talking about you know put your hand on the shoulder and say hey, and they're really doing the haze out you know with the voice. So actually using. The, 
putting their voice into that character and because there were a lot of scenes where there were no dialogue but you could just see emotional faces and stuff and it's like well that's not really the actor's it's not acting that's yeah. just a drawing so it's interesting but and, and my other highlight in regards to casting characters probably the relationship between the father and the son was really i just really liked it seemed real it just seemed really mm. um well written um yep. and just felt real and there was the respect and love there but it was also the parent-son relationship real thing yeah it was good i liked that (laughs) i I did like it when he dropped him off to school and then he goes love you and he didn't want to say i love you back and then he he puts it on the speaker and police car i'm not going until you say (laughs) i love you that's i love you dad i mean one of my favorite he could have just kept walking Um, yeah. That's one of my favourite scenes in the movie as well, and 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 then the follow up where he talks through the door to him and he can't answer. And he's like, "You don't have to say it back," and he's like, "Just sitting in the chair, he can't say it back anyway." And mm. I felt really like that was a really good scene because he even if he wanted to say it back, he couldn't, and he probably did want to. Um, mm. Yeah, that was good. Um, for me, I, I I'm probably similar to you, Glenn. I think it's hard to do. And look, this is just the way our categories roll, so we 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 run through it and. Um, for an animated movie, it is a little bit harder because you don't necessarily see the acting. It's all the animation. It is just a voice. Now, you know, in a really strong animated film, you can still have the voice that creates the character as opposed to the animation creating the character. And I think Shrek's a good example of that. Toy Story is probably a good example of that. I don't think this was far off it. I don't think it was quite there. But in terms of the quality of those two films because I think you know like you think of Shrek that is that is Mike Myers and and it is his personality that comes out through Shrek and it's the same with Donkey in that movie and I think you really do get Tom Hanks as Woody um in in this I I did like uh Shameik Moore as Miles um I thought he was he was a good character overall and and I actually enjoyed his little journey and you know look it's it's a Marvel movie. It's a Marvel movie, so you sort of know where it's going to end up. He's going to become awesome. But you know, I liked his journey. There were some really nice comedic moments. I thought he delivered them well um, overall. I love Jake Johnson, who was Peter B. Parker, mm. uh, and I mentioned Deadpool before. He was like a, a Ryan Reynolds light. He wasn't quite as good as Ryan Reynolds, but I, I really enjoyed. You know, that deadpan character, but he had that really nice comedic timing. He was dry when he needed to. He was really funny when he needed to. And I thought he was I thought he was probably the, the one that stood out most to me. Um but generally it's 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 a hard category for an animated film. But you know, I thought like it was just it was it was enjoyable. And I don't think they quite I think probably Jake certainly Jake Johnson did. I don't know if they all did, but yeah, I I thought Look, it's a hard character, and I thought they all did well. Hmm. The what I find about like you know good voice acting is really about the ability to kind of you know convey that emotion, can you know set your characters, but but not take you out of the actual film. I actually, I'm always in this film. Like I'm never kind of drawn like out of it because I've gone, oh, that's you know that's um, Tom Hanks, um, you know that's. Uh, you know, Mike Myers, and sometimes there is that like you know, element with those films, whereas you know you, you can hear that that oh that's those guys playing that sort of stuff. Um, but it's easier in this because well, I didn't, I didn't, I'd forgotten, I, I'd forgotten Nicolas Cage was in this movie, and I never knew, I never even picked mm. that picked up on that because when you watch that character, you just hear the voice. It's like oh yeah, yeah he's a dark sort of you know character, I, and and you don't really know. But now that you know, it's like. And, and oh, I yeah, think that's, that's a credit. Him. Like, you know, that's like, you know, the fact that you yeah, didn't yeah. know it was Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Like, 
that, that probably says he's done a pretty good job. Like, you know, because that's, that's when the actor's taking you out of the that, disbel- you know, um, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. suspension of disbelief. So, but it is hard to talk about acting in, in, in animation as opposed absolutely. to other films because, I mean, you don't see best actor nominations coming out of mm. animated films. I don't think that's <laughs> ever happened. Um, no, no. Well, they, they, they don't go best actor, blah, blah, blah. Tom Hanks voice. as Woody in Toy Story. Like, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> no. Yet. Yeah. You know? Probably criminal <laughs> that it's not. There probably are awards that we're not aware of. Like, you know. Um, but uh, interesting, Lily Tomlin, who played Art May, I thought she was great. Uh, she's a, you know she's the fourth Oscar winner to actually play Art May throughout the the series of mm. uh, films. So, well, there you go. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I enjoyed all the the performances in this. Like you know, the, and that's the the ultimate part: being able to kind of keep you in the film with your voice performance. That's you know that's the shot you know sign of a good one for me you know i enjoy chris pine and even if that's a bit he's a bit at the start and it's like you know you really i really got a strong sense of like spider-man in that opening sequence with him like you know because it sort of taught you know it was in his voice and um and then it was you know through all of those kind of um flashbacks i really enjoyed that like you know because it's like you know hey here's the story and i could flick back through the comic books easily Um, second best performance behind unstoppable i would i would have thought Who's that? Who's uh, Pine? Pine? Yeah. No, I think he's got some better ones. Uh, <laughs> frankly, you know, Unstoppable was low down. In Great. <laughs> Wonderful movie. <laughs> Average at best. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> well, you are talking about average at best. Um, Favourite scene? Glenn. Um, I've sort of already talked about a couple of these, but just yeah, the, when you, the, the sun gets dropped off at school... You know that that was by the by the cop uh, dad. That was that was one of my highlights, um, favorite scene, and yeah, the shoulder touch that I talked about earlier as well. When he said, "Hey," um, <laughs> I really liked that. Um, I'll just go straight into other aspects that I liked because the main the main thing, and we'll probably talk. Michael will probably talk a lot about this. Is the animation style, which we've already touched on as well. But it's just. It's just from the start, from the opening credits, um, just the look of how it's how it's drawn in a way that each shadow on the edge of characters is like dot, like not pixels, but dot, you know, dotted like a comic picture, mm. and the shadings done with lines and all that sort of stuff. And I was thinking that you could pause this movie at any, I think you could pause this movie at any frame, and it would look like a comic book panel, mm. like it just looked like a, a panel out of a comic book. Um, which is must be hard to do, but it just looked amazing. Um, so that was a big highlight. It was just the style. Yep. Well, you, you've 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 thrown the whole process out, Glenn. We have categories for a reason, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so for, for for me, favorite scene. Um, I love it when he starts to become Superman. Oh, sorry, Superman. <laughs> Spider Man. Sorry. <clears throat> Going well. That'd be that would be really funny if it that would have been good, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was a turnaround. <laughs> Superman, right into the, Superman into the into the Spidey first. That would have been great. Um, yeah. Maybe we should look at that as a sequel somehow. So um, but when he starts to become Spider-Man, you know, like he walks into the school, and that's when he meets uh, Gwanda, as she calls herself. Um, you know, like in, you know, like it's when he tries to do the the hey you, and he gets his hand stuck in her hair, and he can't get it out because he doesn't know how to unstick himself. Um, you know, and that whole, and then there's a whole sequence after that. Like he's walking up the wall and he gets attacked by pigeons, and he he's ch- being, I think he's being chased by, is he being chased by the security guard at this stage? And he runs in. It just happens to be the security guard's office that he tries yep. to hide in, and and just that whole process. It was just a nice comedic moment 
early on in the film, which sort of go where you sort of go, okay, so this is where this uh, movie's going. It harks back to the um, the like there's a number in like the other Spider-Man films, usually with the origin story. Um, you know, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man had the same mm. thing. Um, you know, where he's gone, you know, wow, I'm a bit all ripped today, and and he has that awkward, you know, got my own spider silk thing, and it lands on a um, a tray, and he ends up dragging the tray out, like you know, that sort of, it, you know, I guess the um, analogy to puberty all over again yes. um, is a common, you know, common aspect of the Spider-Man origin story. So, and and we see a really funny one, like the whole walking on the walls outside the building. <laughs> um, it's very cool. So now I did like that. Um, I really liked. I loved the twist with the uncle. I was not seeing that coming at all, mm. and so I enjoyed that. That sort of, you know, I think I was saying to you before the pod, Michael, that there were times I did watch this over two two sittings, um, and that's just because I had to. You know, I started watching in the morning. We went out and did some stuff during the day, and I watched it later on. But mm. I did find myself at times. Picking up my phone and watching it, but that when that happened, it sort of oh well, okay, all right. So this okay, so we've got it. So it did really pique my interest at that stage, um, and I really liked that heartfelt speech by the dad, um, mm. which sort of then helps inspires Miles to become the Spider Man that we all knew he could be. Yeah, um, but I just yeah, I just thought it was a really nice touching moment in what was a movie that had a couple a couple of those, but was largely you know very self aware. But, you know, had some was fun and funny. It just had that nice touching mm. moment, which I thought so was there's nice. A, there's an interesting kind of visual thing that goes with this, and it's probably the interesting things part. But in this, um, and I was looking this up just a bit earlier, there's a, a couple of frames. When he first goes into the, you know, Spider-Man's lair and he's looking up at Spider-Man's outfit, his eyes don't match. Like, you know, his head is well and truly below the costume Spider-Man. Like, you know, and it's a – and you don't really think of it. But then later on, post-speech – um, the it's reframed and his eyes line up with Spider-Man's eyes, and that's that kind of you know he's becoming Spider-Man, and there's and that's just some of the clever stuff that the animators mm. have done with this, like you know how they've you know brought this animation together with like um with visual symbolism. So yeah, you know tying that speech part, you know that was the nice before and after to kind of really you know, bookends that speech. Yeah, and just to, just to continue on with Glenn's completely throwing our categories out the window in, in any sort of normal order. Um, I'll go on to my notable aspects as well. Um, the animation I thought was incredible. I probably disagree, Glenn, in terms of where you said you could stop it at any point and it looks like it's a comic book. I, I get what you're saying to a point, but to me, I think, and it's funny because we did do Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which is a similar, it's like a real-life comic book, um, whereas this is obviously an animated feature film. But the way it was able to mix between being an animated film and then being almost created as a comic book and the, the quick changes that it was able to do that I thought was really good. You, you're able to watch the movie as an animated film and then then all of a sudden it, it does things that takes you back to go, no, 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 actually this is just a – I'm just watching a comic book. Hmm. I'm not watching a movie, I'm watching a comic book and then it takes you back to an animated film and then it takes you back to you – know, hang on, no, no, that's right. We are watching a comic book. In in its most visual sense, on the on on the screen as opposed to in a book, and I thought that was a that was really well structured throughout the whole movie and how they you know they drew things from the comic book where they'd say something and you'd see it scroll up the screen and those sorts of things. I just thought the animation was excellent and the colours and everything else was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not usually a rap fan, 
I will admit, but I loved the score. And it really did embed you in, I think, in Brooklyn and and into the movie. I thought it was really well done. Um, and it was actually nice listening to Post Malone's uh, um, Butterfly, um, which he did for the movie. I, I actually took my daughter for her first concert and he played this at the concert. It just went ah. off. It was, it was huge. So it was, it was a nice little tie back for me, a little mm. an emotional thing for me to go, oh, I remember that night. Like It was an absolute ripping night. So, um, mm. And it's a good song. So, yeah, I, I love the score. But, yeah. Yeah, I thought the animation was outstanding in this. It was really, mm. it was just so engaging and with everything going on and the colours and, and the way they did it, I just thought it was excellent. Yeah. All right, well, going back to favourite scenes. You yes. Changing it all up. No, no, that's all right. We just always throw these things <laughs> um, around. I really loved the flashbacks. Um, this kind of, like, and because we, we were started with that because we were told about Spider-Man and, like, you know, that we're, we're seeing him as an established hero with that. And it it really kind of touches on um, a lot of Sam Raimi sort of references, I think, during that one and definitely during Peter B. Parker's one. Um, and they're our first, like, you know, established Spider-Man. Um, and they're just, they're full of, I think there were callbacks to other films. Um, there's a classic where the... There's the Doc Ock throws a car at Spider-Man. Um, and in that one, in this, in the film, he actually kind of somehow prevents it, I think. Um, there's the, you know, reference to um, Kirsten Dunst and Tobey Maguire kissing, mm-hmm. but in that one, it's actually, um, in the film, it's actually uh, Tobey Maguire hanging upside down kissing Kirsten Dunst. However, in the actual, um, in the animation, it's, it's inverted. So, um, the Spider-Man is on the ground, because you know, and uh, uh, MJ I think is in the in yeah. the air. Um, and there was lots of little kind of things like that, and that was that was very cool. Um, there was a lot of, I mean, like you guys talked about all the art um, aspects, but I guess it's in terms of, like very scenes. Um, I'm not sure if you clocked it, but this is like set in a different universe, so they're all kind of different things going on. Like there was a a poster for um uh. Oh, not sure. Like it was a Shaun of the Dead variant, but it was like um. Oh, I forgot what it was called. Um, it's very funny. Um. Oh, from Dust Till Shaun. That's what it is. Um, yeah. So we and that's apparently a joke that Simon Pegg, like he kind of you know wrote up a little bit of a script for the sequel to Shaun of the Dead. So that's in there, and there's all those um different. There's references to the real world, but it's different to the real world so kind of establishing that's in a different universe and there's all kind of you know interesting things like that um yeah so all the art aspects in in his phone um in his phone like when he scrolls through his phone you see his dad and before his dad is um b bendis which is a comic book writer yeah and also i think a producer of the film Um, yeah (laughs) yeah things like Um, that yeah and there's so many kind of like you know references to that which is like you know really cool so a lot of nods to the fans um I think Stanley. Yeah, yeah. well, he's yeah, in lots he's, of stuff. He's in. Um, yeah, and then I think they announced before his death that, like, you know, oh, it was after his death, maybe that um, he did record a cameo line for it, um, and that's a big thing for all the like a lot of his the things he's been involved in making is cameoed in in some way or another, um, you know, because as the homage to the you know one of the creators of, of many of these superheroes, um, so that was. I nice. pick him as a leaper. It forces Scott to pick probably a Marvel. <laughs> it does, actually. <laughs> um, or no, technically you could get to Mallrats. 
Like, um, because Stanley's in the right. Vacuum um, ideas, Michael. Mm. Just no, this is just a top idea. Just like, you could force him. Think. One of the two ways we want to go. Um, I think, <laughs> like, I really enjoyed, um, and I guess this is, like, you know, it's not necessarily seen, but the, the growth of both Miles and Peter B. Parker. Like, you know, we saw, we're at the start of the film, we saw a really tired Peter Parker, like, Peter B. Parker. Like, you know, he'd he been, you know, he's basically being an adult is kind of like you know sort of hitting him a bit and like he's broken up with his you know with his wife and um he's not living his best life and you know he kind of goes out but it's you know he's mainly you know he's got a bit of a dad bod going on mm. um and then having the you know the protege of miles like he starts off rough but then he's actually working through it and he you see at the end of the film he's going back to be a better person um as well as you know leaving miles in a better place so um, that was that was actually one of the, the the arcs that I really liked. Yeah, yeah. So I guess interesting things now. I'll just carry on. Is that yeah, just carry on. Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys have talked about the art and the, the style, and I I thought that was one of the like the it was stunning. Um, the immersive way the animation draws from its comic source material was I don't know. It's just so different and so striking and. Um, fantastic. The fact that, like, you know, you're talking about shading, Glenn, but also the textures, like, you know, sometimes it had that dot stuff in it and, you know, they weren't that kind of, you know, what are they seeing with a digital animation where it's like, you know, real fur almost and like really lifelike. It was, it's, you know, it acknowledges a comic source material, which is great. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's got the, the artifacts you usually see it. Like, you know, there was the, you know, um, the little lines of recognition, um, words painted mm. through, like, you know, for action. Um, that was really cool. Um, I really love that. Um, <laughs> um, I talked about the flashback inter- uh, introductions. They were fantastic. Um, the lighting and coloration were really good, and it really it was it was interesting how they kind of did the disjointed universe. Like you know, it's um, I thought that was really fascinating. It wasn't just like you know, here's an object. It was like here is this noise of color um, mm. that doesn't fit within this kind of you know this scene, and that kind of really highlighted the um, the dimensions incurring on their universe. Um, Another thing about when you see the word noise is the sound was also amazing. Mm. Like from the, this is the thing I noticed in the opening credits. The first thing I heard was this crickle. Uh, what was it? Like a squeaking. I don't know what it was. Like this the, noise. Oh yeah, um, like the static glitching, crackle, crackling, or mm. yeah. And it was just from the very start of the film where it's just flickering and they hear that noise and it's just like the sound and all the way through the sound was just mm. really just for me. I was listening out and and it was just really good. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Um, the lighting and coloration were good. There were times when there was just a really strong red and blue kind of like, you know, Spider-Man sort of background sort of color. Um, that was fantastic. The The fact that like, you know, sometimes the the frames, like the actual kind of how it was done was misprinted. So like there would be, you'd see a couple of edges around like, you know, objects. Um, that's really yep. cool. Because, you know, I'm not a big comic book reader. Actually, I'm not really a comic book reader at all, but I have seen them. I have looked through them, you know, <laughs> once upon a time um but you saw that sort of stuff they saw that kind of like you know there were you know they use multiple colors to achieve like you know a different color but it was you know they're trying to be cheap so they're not using full color they're you know limiting that sort of print um and it had these little techniques and they see them in the in the film which were great um and all the sam raimi movie tributes like you know they're all really cool so 
yeah, I think you have. That's all. There's more interesting things, but yeah, I'm done. No, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, there is one other thing that I just thought of while we're talking about it, and I think it it actually ties in really nicely with the last two movies we've done, which have been Scream and Scream Two. I might be wrong, as I said, I haven't seen a lot of these movies, but would, this would probably be the first Spider-Man movie that's aware of Spider-Man. So you've got the characters are aware, are aware of Spider-Man and then he becomes Spider-Man. So it's very mm. meta. It's very aware of itself. So we, Like we, he's reading the comics in the, in the yeah, movie. He's reading Spider-Man you comics know, so and stuff. Like he's, he's using the comics and that's helped teaching him. And I guess, you know, you look at, We've done Scream and Scream 2, which are both very meta and both very aware of themselves in terms, you know, Scream, mm. it is a horror movie that is very much aware of the rules of horror films and, and you know, the different horror films that are out there. Scream 2 is very much aware of how a sequel works and, and the, you know, the role of different characters in the sequels and, you know, high body counts and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, talk and, about and that. not as good as the original. So, you know, and really not as good of, as the original, yeah. which... <laughs> which we also determined when we did our ratings <laughs> last week. This it, it sort of had that same sort of premise: is that you've got you've got you know Miles who's aware that of Spider Man. Mm. He knows who Spider Man is. Spider Man is a hero in his city, and then he gets bitten, and then Spider Man dies, and then he meets these other Spider Men. So he's aware of this person and what he does, mm. and it's about him becoming that person as opposed to you know you watch the movies when and i've only got one to reference which was toby Maguire. when he <laughs> did it you know he becomes he's got to learn that himself whereas miles mm. has got you know he's got comic books and he's got all these other spider people to help him out mm. to become spider-man so it's, yep. it's and very meta very aware of it itself as yep. it understands well, who it is so, and what it wants to be. It's. I thought yeah. it was really well done in that sense, and it does. It creates. I don't know. It just it's a little bit more engaging than just yep. a standard superhero film. The, so it's just nice to do that so close after Scream and Scream Two, which are again mm. very meta, very aware of themselves. I really like. There was a motif that occurred like all through the film. It was like you're like me. You know, um, they always had that little kind of like, you know, head kind of things and a little mm. bit of discolored. It's like, you know, you're like me. Like, you know, they'd, they'd sense that within each other. That was kind of like, um, it's a big part of it is like, you know, hey, you, I'm not, al-, it is like almost in some ways it's like I'm not alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got to get used to being hit. You've got to get used to doing this. You've got to be able yeah. to do this. And yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, so it's nice. And I, I guess in some ways it's like, you know, this passing of a, you know, the death of Peter Parker passes a torch to Miles Morales. So it gives permission for, you know, a new Spider-Man. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was, the, you're right, it was very cool. That was very good. Questions, queries, tidbits. Glenn, have you got anything for us? Uh, not really. I My one thing I wanted to talk about, uh, I just for for me spider-man is peter parker and yeah. and that's what i that's what i grew up with like in the comics when i did read the comics when i was a kid and i watched the movies and watched the cartoons when i was a kid and for me i wasn't like looking forward to watching this again because i was like oh man it's that one with all the other spider-mans and there's really only one spider-man as far as i am concerned you know from from my history and and but you know then i enjoyed the movie and and my one thing that I thought was just really stupid, and maybe I'm wrong and you can tell me 
if I'm wrong, but why this pig thing? It just didn't feel, it just didn't fit for me. And maybe it's for, maybe there's hardcore fans who understand who this pig is and where it comes from, but I have no idea and I've never seen it before. I don't know. It was just, I just didn't like it. And and I just thought it was unnecessary. I didn't think it was needed because it probably, there's a very probably small percentage of people who watch this movie who knew oh, that's from that comic or something, and I have no idea. And I don't know, I just thought it was a bit... Ah, I just didn't like that. But I, that was the only thing, yeah. I just assumed it wasn't a, necessarily a comic, but it was more just another cartoon that had been, you know, more in the, you know, Porky Pig, Bugs Bunny, that Warner Brothers world, which they were able to get the rights for, and then they've been able to drag it back here because I think... Too when he jump when he jumps up he goes that's all folks but he doesn't say yeah. it. he says it you know, and then and then you hear Miles goes are we legally even allowed to say that so I I, I yeah. just assumed it was might have been a tie back to that but you're right I I look I didn't know Gwen or Gwanda or whatever her name was Gwen, I didn't know Gwen about Spider Man Noir uh, Noir sorry uh, mm. I didn't know about Peter B Parker I didn't know about no, neither uh, did Penelope I. I just Parker. like is it Penelope wanted... Penny Parker I didn't know about any of them yeah, Penny so Parker. I was confused yeah, uh, that, that was actually yeah. one of my questions who the hell are these other people are these comics or yes like, but i assume that well that's um, basically what i'm asking as well like, yeah because uh, i've got no idea all and real comics it, in fact gentlemen i'm a little bit stunned that you haven't heard of peter porker and you know spider ham uh one because it's made reference to it in, in simpsons spider pig spider pig you never heard that um, I remember that. I didn't yeah. realize that I that was made actually, up. I just thought that was Homer being stupid. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Peter Porker and you know the spectacular Spider Ham um, first appearance in November 1983. Yeah. So you know he's been around, around the farm a couple of times. Hmm. Um, Any yeah. others, Glenn? Well, just on what Glenn was saying, uh, I think like there was um. There's an aspect there, like uh, what you know. There was a, like a part of the message was that, like you know, that they really kind of were saying at the home is anyone could wear the mask. It was like you know that was that ideal that you know anyone could be Spider Man. That's definitely part of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, I guess like you know, saying giving that torch to saying like you know, we'll, you know, we want anyone to be able to you know see themselves as a superhero. Hmm. Nice. Carry Any on. others, Glenn? No, that was really my only. Yeah, I think. That was my only question I really had. It's not really a question, more just something I didn't. Yeah, similar to like me. As much as the rest of the movie. Yeah, probably yeah. similar. I didn't understand didn't. that part of it. Um, I actually, that was my only question, but then I actually, my ears pricked up when Michael said something before during the synopsis, and I had wondered what was going on when I looked at the, the when I was doing casting characters. The different dad names. So it's Jefferson yeah. Davis and it's Miles Morales. And the mum's, I think it's Rio Morales. Hmm. So I'm curious what's going on there, but it's modern day. We all, yeah, broken hmm. homes are common. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, it's kind of, I suppose, sort of nodding to the, you know, uh, the modern families. Like it's not necessarily, you know, like the nuclear ones. Yeah. Well, I wondered that too. Now that was my main question. I was like, why is, you know, if Jefferson is the dad, why is it morality? And I guess maybe they never got married. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's another point. They might have hmm. married or they might have been married and she kept her own name. Who knows? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Now to her. Um, no, I didn't actually, like, I fully get this, like, you know, film. Um, it was never, 
any real big questions about you know what was going on or anything like that. And I've seen it a couple of times. Um, and I think like even though I didn't really you know I wasn't familiar with you know Penny Parker or Spider Noir and um, I think I'd heard of Spider Ham like but mainly as a joke rather than anything else and uh, and I'd heard of Gwen Stacy but didn't really know of her Spider Gwen sort of um aspects but i think for me like they're all covered in the fact that everyone was introduced with their comic backstory mm. um i thought like you know that's did, what you need you did like, the pig have the backs yeah did the pig have the backstory yeah, he got um stung by a, a radioactive um it's not a spider, spider. no um, i think it's something else pig yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know but it's funny like it was a like um yeah, it's a different one. I don't, I don't remember his one. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> trivia, mm, trivia mm. indeed. Bobby in the trivia. Michael, over to you. Trivia. Okay. Uh, the film's concept is loosely based on Spider-Man Volume Two run of Marvel Comics um, and the Spider Verse event. In 2019, it was stated that Sony was considering making animated TV show based on the uh, characters introduced. It should be noted, it's mainly a Sony film. Like you know, Sony owns the rights to um, Spider-Man, but they do joint kind of things with Marvel, um, so they kind of share a little bit of that. So Sony's heavily involved with these ones. Um, to focus more on Miles and Gwen's respective introductions as separate characters, their romance subplot was scrapped from the film and will still be explored in the sequel across the Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. Um, as with most modern Marvel films prior to Lee's passing, the film featured Stan Lee cameo. Uh, he had one speaking role and somewhat you know, more hidden appearances. Um, the creative team pitched to include a scene featuring cameos by all three live-action Spider-Men. Um, Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland, but was shot down by Sony, who deemed it too soon, um, and avoid any confusion. However, like you know, after that they have done um, Spider-Man, uh, No Way Home. Was it No Way Home? Yeah. Um, which you know, if you haven't seen that yet, like enjoy that sort of that moment. You should see it, Scott. It's great. Um, according to Tom Holland, his cameo would have, cameo would have been of a passerby. And Toby Wise is also considered for the role of Peter B. Parker. Hmm. Um, Would have been a nice tie back. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, art directors Dean Gordon and Patrick O'Keefe and their team turned to cubism to help represent three-dimensional quakes. Uh, cubist art often um, presents a collection of different view all happening at the same time, so it was a natural metaphor for the multi uh, multiple universes converging in the Spider-Verse. Um... It was Peter Ramsey's idea to hold off on the visual comic language, word bubbles, panels, until Miles is bitten by the spider. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That's cool. No. Um, at around 52 minutes, the bagel text as the bagel hits this. Um, that's right. That was hilarious. Um, bagel hits the scientist's head was a joke pitch that an animator took seriously and added in. They loved it. It's awesome. Yeah. It, it's so cheap. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know that that wasn't supposed to be there. It was yeah, awesome. It was hilarious. Um, the unique animation style of Spider-Verse aims to make the viewer feel as if they are in the pages of a comic book, which we've mm. pretty much established. Which we discussed that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the film combined the latest computer generation animation technology with hand-drawn artistry. It was very important to us, they said, that every frame of the movie was refined by the artist's hand after the visuals were rendered by computers. If you freeze any part of the movie at any time, it will look like an illustration with hand-drawn touches and all. Clean! Nailed it. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. 
feel bad now that I disagreed. Yeah, well, you're wrong, Scott. Um, yeah, not for the first time. <laughs> yeah, especially about Ghostbusters. Um, completing the animation for the film required up to 180 animators, the largest crew ever used by Sony Pictures for an animation film. Um, the film was dedicated to the memory of Spider-Man co-creator Steve Dicto, uh, Ditko, um, who died on July 6, 2018, while the film was finishing production. However, he was not the only dedication. As a month before the film was released, Stanley died on November 12, 2018. The film was dedicated to both of them. Um, Nick Cage, our spiritual, you know, um, what is he, spiritual guide? Um, Leaper. Sleeper. <laughs> Leaper. Um mascot um was excited the directors let him have fun with the role of spider-man noir cage says it's no secret that i like to play with different voice sources it was fun to go back in time and pull back a little bit of that humphrey bogart essence cage thinks that the movie will appeal to both the adults who like old movies and the kids who want to learn more about them um <laughs> yeah i don't know if that's gonna happen but anyway good work nick yeah we're not here to doubt nick no all right, all right. that's the trivia nice work Final thoughts and rating. Obviously, we do rate it out of, we do rate from zero to 10, which ironically, I actually listened to one of our podcasts in the first series and we said, I used to say from one to 10. And then when I did do, when we discussed the first one, Baby Driver, you did ask me whether we could do zero. <laughs> so clearly, we just made that decision. So anyway, mm. you, the ratings are from zero to 10. Zero is an absolute terrible movie. Um, 10 is a wonderful movie and five is somewhere in the Queen. Glenn, final thoughts and rating. Michael, I'll leave you to last. Mm -hmm. I feel bad with this rating, but um, I do enjoy this film and it is fun to watch and it's it's visually fun to watch. Um, it, it sounds great. Um, there is a lot to love, um, but for some reason my score is 6.5. Is that... I feel, that's I kind of weird, well, Glenn. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, I mean, you've kind of said you love a lot of things about it, and yeah, but I just can we get a Jesse just, James check? What do you give you, Jesse ah, James? What did I give Jesse James? Before uh, we go on, uh, uh, Glenn, I also three. rated I this. Three. I also rated this a six and a half, and I really did struggle because I gave Scott Pilgrim a six, and this movie is certainly better than. Scott Pilgrim versus the world, mm. but they're based on a very similar thing. It's it's about, I mean, this is an animated feature film, whereas obviously Scott Pilgrim's a live movie that's based as a comic. But ultimately that's what we're, we're I guess, comparing. And it's nice that they're reasonably close together. Um, as you know, I'm not a huge superhero fan or um, movie fan. I do like the odd one here and there, but I, I don't rush to, to go and see them. I haven't really delved too far into the, the Marvel Universe or the DC Universe. So um, so it's not normally a movie I would have watched and obviously it was brought out in 2018 and I've only now watched it five years later. Um, overall, it was an enjoyable movie. It was, it was fun. It was funny. Um, the animation was excellent. The colour switches to comics and book and, and back to normal. Um, as we discussed before, it's also very meta. Um, but for me, I think six and a half is about right for in terms of what I would. I'm not a, because it's not an area that I'd normally watch. I enjoyed it. I probably wouldn't necessarily run back to it. So I think six and a half is probably a fair score for where I where I think 
this movie for sits. Me, for me, it's um, it's a, a lot of those big action scenes towards the end. I feel like they just went on a little bit too long. For me, the highlights of the movie were more the characters interacting with each other and the conversations they had and the dialogue, not so much the big fight scenes and, and all that sort of stuff, which looks great, but it's, yeah, it, uh, six and a half for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll follow that up, six and a half for me. Well, you're both wrong. Um, the international the international community agrees with me. Um, IMDb, everything else does say suggests that me and Glenn are probably being a touch harsh. But yeah, this I think this this film has heart. Like this, like what's really great about the characters we see, like you know, is they have heart, and we get to see that you know uh, this journey of a teenage kid, and it's always a teenage kid, but it's someone who's different. Like it's not you know your typical white nerd. Um, Peter Parker, who's a photojournalist, like doing it. It's someone different. And we get a, a new Spider-Man story, which is fantastic. I love that. But, you know, we see Miles, you know, struggle and we see his kind of real growth as a character. But we also see, you know, the supporting cast joining that. Um, it is brilliantly animated. Like, you know, um, 180 animators. Like, that's awesome. And it looks spectacular. The sound is spectacular. Um I actually really, you know, enjoyed the like the like comic book, you know, books generally have these kind of big sort of um set pieces and like you know it's full of, full of those and it's a lot of fun. Um yeah, and I and you're wrong. It's like definitely an 8.5. <laughs> I would have bit... gave a better score, but Pilot Spider-Pig or whatever his name is, Spider-Ham. That's two points off automatically. No yeah, way. Two, two points off. Jeez. Again, what did you give to Jesse James? That shit was that shit was rubbish. Put Spider Pig in uh, Jesse James, and that would go. Oh, that would go I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Not going to lie, Mike, I nearly bumped it up to seven because I thought you still when Glenn gave it. When Glenn gave it a six and a half, I'm going. No, no, no. That's actually what I thought. That was my. I had it when I first <laughs> when I first rated it was a six, and I said, no, no, no. This was this was better than Scott Pilgrim versus the World, Easy. which I didn't, which I did enjoy. Um, and this one really, for me, probably only gets knocked back because I'm not really. A, a superhero. You know that sounds yeah. like you're not you're not coming in with an open mind, Scotty G. Where's your open mind? Yeah, no, I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was closed. It, it was open just a touch. Just a little just door. Test out my ma- the tiny little door that was open. <laughs> this will test out my math here. So six point five plus six point five is thirteen plus eight point five is twenty one point five. So that puts it equal third with Scream Two. On <laughs> this film is better than Scream Two. Yeah, I disagree. Um, <laughs> you know, you can watch this with your kids. That's an important thing. Scream 2 is, uh, you know. I'd like to state for the record I have watched Scream 2 with my children. Both. Yeah. I might be a bad father, but that is what it is. <laughs> um, all right. So that yeah. does put it equal third, though, with Scream 2. It is behind Scream on 28, which is our current top-rated movie in Season 2 which is obviously still behind Back to the Future as our greatest rated movie ever on 30. Uh, number two was Baby Driver at 26.5. Uh, and then we've got Die Hard 4 on 20 and Scott Pilgrim versus the World in fifth, sixth, sorry, uh, at 19.5. So we've had a pretty good run of movies. Mm. Well, maybe we're just getting better at scoring. Who well, knows? we've been selectively kind of picking movies that are better than average. Well, well so far... 
in season one of this podcast, when we were this putting movies in, we already had three under our lowest score so far this season. So hmm. we're doing good. We're doing good. We're getting better. I Actually, think we're, we're getting, getting better at our ratings. Almost. I know at the start, yeah, some of our ratings were a bit all over the show. Yeah, adaptation so, was too generous. Same with Jesse James. <laughs> Jesse James. Oh. Like, how do I know it got a zero? We're just going to have a zero. That's, that film is not... Three, three was too generous for the adaptation, you reckon? That's crazy. I think it, oh, Anyway. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> anyway, let's not go over it. Let's not rehash old ground. Move on. Yes. Uh, you, you hear the season one recap for, for all that uh, discussion. Obviously, Our bonus episode. We can be found on Twitter with our handle at Cinematic Leap. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Cinematic Leap. Uh, we can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, which is iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Audible, and if there's a platform that we're not on that you would like to be on, um, please feel free to let us know um, and we're happy to try and work out how we can piggyback onto that. Glenn, you're also getting our website up and running. Yes, that'll be what cinematicleap.com.au. Yes. I believe we yeah, we're gonna get that domain if no one buys it before us. <laughs> we'll get it soon. <laughs> Let's hope. We'll get it. We'll get it. So that's us for our socials. Please, as a as we say every week, please uh, if you do like us, follow us and rate us on your where you get your podcasts. It helps other people find us, which we like. Uh, and obviously if you hopefully it's a good rating, it'll make us feel all warm and fuzzy. Um, and that's it for socials. Uh, Michael, it's now time for our cinematic leap. So, Michael, you get to sit this one out. It's mm. it's now between uh, yeah, myself, and, out. Maybe actually myself and Glenn. Glenn, you get to choose the leaper. I get to choose the movie. And this is the last run before we switch it up, before Michael starts choosing for me and, and all of that. I'm going to take you on a journey, mm-hmm. Scott Gearin. I'm sure you are. Let's get as far away from Stan Lee as we can humanly possibly get. Um, Glenn, there's a lot of options with this. I'm interested to know. Yeah. And normally you do. You, you'll usually you'll flick me a message or something and say, oh, look, I'm thinking about this or I'm thinking about that. But I've heard nothing. It's been radio silence this Stanley, week, so I'm a bit nervous. Stanley. <laughs> I'm wondering so, where you're going to go. It's I... I I like to not pick my leaper until after I've watched the movie because I like to see the performances and the film and just see if anything jumps out at me that I want to watch again in another film. Um, one of the things that jumped out at me uh, on this film f- from the very first seconds was the sound, um, the sound editing or the sound and how how amazing it was and it just didn't uh, let up the whole film. And so I've just picked... Uh, What's, what's his what's his title? Sound the a sound guy called Donald Flick <laughs> in the crew. Classic. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Don- that. Donald Donald Flick. Flick. Yeah, there he is, sound effects editor. Donald Ooh. Flick. He's done some he's done some good movies, a good mixture, and um, he's, done, he's s- done a great Reese Witherspoon movie, which gets us to Reese Witherspoon, which would be fun. <laughs> called Just Like Heaven. I mean. You know, Let's mix it, mix up the podcast a bit, and do some something that's not action. But I don't know, Scott. You know, is his choice. Glenn, I totally yeah. respect your choice of um, uh, Donald, Donald Flick. Flick as a <laughs> as a leaper. I mean, but you know, you have gone past Nicolas Cage here. He has, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, well, it's one of that noted. It's, I, it's, well, it's yeah, funny I, I, when I, you, you chose Donald Flick in the sound department. 
I would have thought Tony Lamberti would have been more up. <laughs> one of, one of, I know one of my favourite sound engineers, uh, Tony Lamberti, who had um, Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained, which would have got us into the Quentin Tarantino universe. But how much did he really contribute to the film? <laughs> I mean, it would have also got us to Cocaine Bear, oh, wow. which I would have been oh, really? really happy with to make you go and watch that because that is an absolute masterpiece. Ooh, I'm, as well. I, I'm not lying. I'm smelling Oscar buzz. Um, but all right, we'll go with, um, what's his name? Donald Flick. Flick. Thirty-nine I mean, films that he's done the sound. Again, I, we with. do need to sort of make the, the point that Donald Fleet probably did more on this, you know, whatever film we're going into, than Matt Lillard did on Scream Two. Okay. Everyone did more than not Matt. Lillard I know. Did. I mean, how did that's a dubious leap? Dubious. <laughs> oh, he, at least he didn't just make sure the servers were that up. Was and an running that was an important role. So, so. Instantly, when I look at Donald Flick's back catalogue, I, I see two movies that stand out, and, and uh, I think, and that's RoboCop and Predator Two. Now, Predator Two is not a great entry into the Predator world, but actually, it's my um, first Predator. Wasn't it? I really enjoyed it. The original Predator is, is brilliant. No, that I haven't really not watched so much. <clears throat> We've got Wayne's World Two, Hard Target with uh, looks like Jean Claude Van Damme, which would be. Interesting, as well as Street Fighter uh, with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. We've got the uh, most recent Rambo film or one of the most recent Rambo films, which is a absolute carnage fest. Oh, Apollo 13. Uh, Aladdin. You haven't gone down the musical path um, yet. <laughs> Thank you, Glenn, for continuing <laughs> to show me that movie. Uh, Extraction is an absolutely fantastic film. Uh, which I've I've watched and really enjoyed the Divi- now, but let's let's be let's honest. just stop I'm, reading. I'm just out let's be honest. I'm just I'm just gibbering because it, it really is between two movies, Speed and The Da Vinci Code. Um, Interesting. Both are excellent movies. I, I really enjoyed. Da Vinci Code's a better book than a movie, but still, that does get us into the Tom Hanks universe, which I'd be which I'd be tempted to. To dip our toe into because he does have some really strong movies, uh, and then we've got Speed. So does, I mean, but Keanu Reeves. Speed does get us to Keanu Reeves, which yeah. again opens up a Bill myriad and, of great. Bill movies. and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Bill and Ted's. We've got Matrix, and we've got the John Wick franchise. So there's mm. some pretty handy movies. I'm sure Glenn will also find some others, or even um, a split from Speed. Sandra Bullock, Mister yes. Geniality. Yes. Yay, I'm so excited for that. <laughs> no. You're taking us on mm. some very interesting... I don't know, I'm just, you know, spitballing. Um, but be, being that I am the the action aficionado, I, it's hard to not choose speed when there's an opportunity. Um, so I think that's where we're going to go next. We are going to go... <laughs> we're going to go with Donald Flick, that great sound engineer and the one we all love, uh, and we are going to go speed. Is he good at making bus noises? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a flawed movie in some ways, but it's a really entertaining film and I'm sure that we'll all enjoy it. Uh, so, yes. I'm just glad you didn't pick Speed. Anchorman 2. No, nah, that was Will Ferrell. Um, so, yeah. So, that's where we're going next, people. Next time you listen to us, we will be watching the movie Speed. And thank you all for listening. Take the Chevy to the living. And like that, he's gone. Ah!
case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Leap.